When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Haunted. Tales of the Supernatural. Nigel Havers stars in The Judge's House by Bram Stoker. Dramatized for radio by Patricia Mays. Mr. Malcolmson. Mr. Carnford. Are you been to see the property in question? I have, sir. Uh, sit down, please. Thank you. <sighs> well, now, what do you think? Does it suit your purpose? Perfectly. I'm delighted, sir. It's certainly isolated. How high is the surrounding wall? Twelve feet, would you say? Yeah, about that, yes. The windows are unusually small and set very high up. A Jacobean style. Oh, of course. Well, I am delighted at what I saw. To tell you the truth, Mr. Malcolmson, I should be only too happy on behalf of the owner to let anyone have the house rent-free, if only to accustom the people thereabouts to seeing it inhabited again. It's been empty for so long that some kind of absurd prejudice has grown up about it, and that can be best put down by its occupation. If only by a scholar like yourself, sir, who wants peace and quiet for a time. Absurd prejudice, you say, Mr. Comfort? Oh, nothing, Mr. Malcolmson, I assure you. Only the prejudice that a house appears to instill in some people when standing empty for some time. Rumour, gossip about the reasons for it not being occupied. You know the sort of thing. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, I'll require a month's rent in advance. Yes, of course. Yeah, I'll give you the necessary receipt. Thank you. Oh, you mentioned to me when I inquired earlier that you know of a lady who would look after me while residing there. Ah, yes, so I did. Mrs. Witham is her name. I'll write down her address for you. Judge's house? Is that what you're saying, Mr. Markhamson? Going to live in the judge's house? If it's the small but rambling old house behind that high brick wall in Maybury Lane, then that is indeed the house in which I intend to stay, Mrs. Witham. Well, sir, I, I don't know what to say. You do not approve of my living there? It is only for a short while. It's not for me to approve or disapprove, sir. Clearly, though, the prospect gives you cause for concern. Well, Mrs. Witham? I've never known anyone stay in the judge's house, sir. It's called the judges, huh? By the locals, yes, sir. Why, sir? I don't know how long it's been called that. I'm not from these parts myself, but everyone I've known since coming to Benchurch has referred to it as such. It was the abode of a judge, oh, a hundred years or more ago, and he was held in great terror on account of his harsh sentences and his hostility to prisoners at the Assizes. As to what there is against the house itself, I cannot tell, sir. I've often asked, but no one will inform me. There was a general feeling that there was 
something. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, for my disturbing talk, but if you were my boy, and you'll excuse me for saying it, you wouldn't sleep there a night. Not if I had to go there myself and pull the alarm bell that hangs from the roof. Alarm bell? What alarm bell? Did you not see it? I can't say I did. The rope hangs right down into the drawing room, right next to the judge's chair itself. Well, Mrs. Witham, you needn't be concerned about me. A man who is reading for the mathematical tripos has too much to think about to be disturbed by any of these mysterious somethings. <laughs> and his work is of too exact and prosaic a nature to allow for his having time for mysteries of any kind. Harmonical progressions and elliptic functions have sufficient mysteries for me, thank you. Well, sir, I see you are determined to live there, then. I am, Mrs. Witham, I am. So all we have to decide upon is whether you agree to make the necessary arrangements and find a housekeeper a little less apprehensive about the house than yourself. Very good, sir. I'll order all the necessary provisions and arrange for a Mrs. Dempster to see to your needs. Thank you, Mrs. Witham. You're most kind. Had enough provisions delivered to see you through the first three days, sir. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Witham. I have decided to make my main abode here in the drawing room. It's large enough to serve all my daily requirements, I think. Where do you want these put? Um, what did you say her name was, Mrs. Witham? Mrs. Dempster, sir. She'll do all your cleaning, fetching and carrying. Just put them on the table there, Mrs. Dempster. Well, there's another lot outside. That's right. Books, Mrs. Dempster. All books. Just put them on the table. Very heavy they are. That's enough, Mrs. Dempster. Just put them on the table, as Mr. Malcolmson says. Right, but you don't, don't know you how stand heavy those any books nonsense are. from her, sir. She has a quick tongue, but she's a hard worker, and she'll keep the house as clean as a new pin. I'm sure she will. <laughs> You've been most kind, Mrs. Witham, especially with the provisions. I'll wager some of them came from your own kitchen. <laughs> it's the least I can do, sir. Well, I'm very grateful. Well, I wish you all the best for your stay, sir. This is the last lot, sir. Yes, I think so, Mrs. Dempster. Uh, as the bedroom is big and draughty, it might be as well to have one of those screens put round your bed at night, though, truth to tell, I would die myself if I were to be shut in with all kinds of of things that put their heads round the sides and over the top to look at me. Oh, excuse me, sir. I'll be going. Good day, Mrs. Witham, and please don't worry about me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, sir. Bogies is all kinds and sorts of things, except bogies. Rats, mice, beetles, creaky doors and loose slates, broken panes and stiff drawer handles that stay out when you pull them and then fall down in the middle of the night. <laughs> there, you bogies. Look at that wainscot. Hundreds of years old. Do you think, sir, you won't see none of them? Rats is bogies, and bogies is rats. And don't you get to thinking anything else. <laughs> oh, Mrs Dempster, you know more than many a prophet. And let me say that as a mark of my esteem for your indubitable soundness of head and heart, I shall, when I leave, give you possession of this house and let you stay here yourself for the last two months of my tenancy. For four weeks will serve my present purpose admirably. Oh, thank you kindly, sir. But I couldn't sleep away from home. I'm in Greenhouse Charity Institution, and if I slept a night away from my rooms, I should lose all I've got to live on. 
Otherwise, I'd gladly come here and attend on you. The rules is very strict, sir. My good woman, I have come here on purpose to obtain solitude. And believe me, I am grateful to the late Mr. Greenhalgh for having organised his admirable charity, whatever it is, that I am perforce denied the opportunity of suffering from such a form of temptation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you young gentleman. You don't fear a thing, do you? <laughs> well, you'll get all the solitude you'll want here. Now, I'd better get you settled in before nightfall. And while you do that, Mrs Dempster, I will go for a walk. The place will be all spick and span on your return, sir. I'll leave some food out for you on a tray and a fire in the hearth. Oh, thank you, Mrs Dempster. You're most kind. No, be off with you. Otherwise, I won't be finished in time. Eleven o'clock. Must think about going to bed, I suppose. Oh, my tea's getting cold. Solitude. Listen to it. You can actually hear the silence. What's that? Bogies is rats, and rats is bogies. Of course. Rats in the wainscot. Listen to them, racing, gnawing, scratching. For generations they've been doing that, I expect. And the rope, thick, hard, all the way up to the great alarm bell in the roof. Mm. The judge thought of everything. Oh, they've stopped now. The rats have stopped their mischief for tonight. Another few minutes study, and then to bed. Oh, my God. Go away, rat. Go away, damn you. He doesn't move. He just stares at me. I'll throw a cup at it. Go away, damn you. It still doesn't move. It bears its teeth at me. The poker! I'll kill it with a poker! Now, you evil-looking monster, I'll kill you! Take that! Damn it! He scampered up the bell rope! My God! They've started again! Malcolmson, sir. What? Oh, careful, sir. You nearly knocked the tray from my hand. Oh, it's you, Mrs. Dempster. What time is it? It's just gone nine, sir. I let you sleep when I arrived. It looked as if you'd been up most of the night. I heard the cock crow before I turned in. Oh, all that study. You'll make yourself ill. Here's some breakfast for you. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Dempster. You're very kind. Everything all right? What do you mean, all right? Last night. No bogies. 
<laughs> no bogies, Mrs Dempster, none at all. Oh, I'm pleased to hear it, I must say. I've tied it up downstairs so you can get up whenever you like. Thank you, Mrs Dempster. I think I'll go for a walk this morning. You do that, sir. Mustn't study all the time. All work and no play, as the saying goes. Yes. Yes. Oh, Mrs. Witham, good morning. Lovely day, isn't it? Out for a walk, I see. Well, I was studying most of last night, so I thought I'd take an hour or two off to clear the head and tone up the muscles. But tell me, sir, how did you pass the night? Very well, thank you, Mrs. Witham. Oh, I'm pleased to hear it. I can't tell you how relieved I was when Mrs. Dempster told me you were well and sleeping sound when she went in first thing this morning. Ah, you've been to the house, then? I've just come from there. I hope Mrs. Dempster's proving satisfactory. More than satisfactory, thank you. No, Mrs. Witham, you'll be pleased to know that the somethings didn't worry me in the slightest. <laughs> Only the rats, and they had a circus, I can tell you. All over the place they were. There was one particularly wicked-looking old devil that sat up on the big armchair by the fireplace and wouldn't go until I took a poker to him. And then he ran up the rope with the alarm bell and hid somewhere up the wall or ceiling. I couldn't see. It was so dark up there. Mercy, honest, Mr. Markinson. An old devil and sitting on a chair by the fireside. Oh, take care, sir. You take care. How do you mean, madam? I don't understand. An old devil. The devil, perhaps. <laughs> oh, no, sir. Please don't laugh. Forgive me, Mrs. Witham. <laughs> and don't think me rude. But the idea was too much for me. That the devil himself was sitting in the chair last night. <laughs> Oh, it's really too funny for words. Let's hope so, Mr. Markinson. Good morning. Good morning, Mrs. Witham. for him. The end of the rope lying on the table, under the lamp, and these books, handy weapons to throw. Yes, I'm ready for you, you old devil. <laughs> like a rat trap. I think we shall learn something of you tonight. <laughs> Time for a pot of tea, I think. That moved. The rope. I won't move except my eyes. Ah, yes. Here he comes, down the rope, the size of a devil. Enormous. The cheek of the monster. He's dropped from the rope, and again he sits on the old oak chair, staring at me. Right. I'll do for you this time. You better watch out. These books are heavy. Now. Take that! Missed! He's afraid, he's afraid. Now this time I won't miss this time. I'll finish you, you ugly old monster. I hit him, I hit him! Damn him, he's got away up that ceiling again. Where does he get to up there? He seemed to go through a hole in that great picture. It's so dirty I can't see what it's a picture of. 
I look at my friend's habitation in the morning. It's the third picture from the fireplace. I shan't forget. Better pick up my books. Let's see now. There, and the book that nearly felt him. The Bible my mother gave me. I think I'll ask Mrs. Dempster to clean that picture first thing in the morning. Do sit down, Mr. Malcolmson. Thank you. It was good of you to come. How could I reject such a request, madam, seeing how kind you've been to me? <laughs> you see, Dr. Thornhill, I told you he was utterly charming, yet he remains very stubborn. <laughs> I uh, understand you're taking an important mathematics examination fairly soon. Yes, sir, I am. It is of such importance as to affect my entire future. Mm. Hence my desire for solitude before I return to college. Education is of such importance, I agree. But does it require all the long hours you appear to give it? Dr Thornhill, I shall with pleasure answer any question you may choose to ask if you will answer me one question first. <laughs> what is it? Did Mrs Witham ask you to come here and advise me? Uh, well, sir... Mr Marcus. Forgive me, but I suspect a trap. Not a trap, sir. Perhaps not, sir, but I do feel ensnared. Please do not be offended, Mrs. Witham. I am touched by your concern for my welfare. If that is the case, Mr. Malcolmson, I feel I can answer your question with complete honesty. Mrs. Witham did, in fact, ask me to come here. But, of course, she didn't intend you to know it. <laughs> I suppose it was my clumsy haste that made you suspect. Excuse me, gentlemen. I uh, fear we have caused offence. <clears throat> Mrs. Witham doesn't like the idea of your being in that house in Maybury Lane all by yourself. She also thinks you take too much strong tea. Ah. In fact, she wants me to advise you, if possible, to give up the tea and the very late hours. <laughs> I was a keen student in my time, so I feel I may take the liberty of an ex-college man and, without offence, advise you not quite as a stranger. Shake hands, sir. Ah... I must thank you for your kindness, and Mrs. Witham's too, and it deserves a return gesture on my part. I promise to take no more strong tea, ah. no tea at all, till you let me, and I shall go to bed tonight at one o'clock at the latest. Will that do? Capital. Now, tell me all that you've noticed in the old house. And the rat always climbs down the rope of the alarm bell? Always. I suppose you know what the rope is? No. It is the very rope which the hangman used for all the victims of the judge's judicial rancor. Doctor, please. <clears throat> There's no need to be embarrassed, Doctor. I was listening. I admit it. Um, if you would excuse me, I, I must return. It's nearly lunch. Oh, very uh, well, sir. I'm sure you and Mrs. Witham have a great deal to talk about. Good day, Doctor. Sir. Mrs. Witham. Mr. Malcolmson. And please... Don't worry. I shall be perfectly all right. No more tea and in bed by one. You'll see. Good day. I'll see myself out. This has not turned out as I planned at all. I'm surprised at you, Dr Thornhill. You know how impressionable young people are. Uh, he may be young, but to all intents and purposes, madam, he is a free man. And a man of means, too. Besides... I had a distinct purpose in drawing his attention to the alarm bell rope. It may be that he is in a highly overwrought state and has been studying too much. 
although I'm bound to say that he seems as sound and healthy a young man, mentally and bodily, as ever I saw. But then, the rats, and that suggestion of the devil. I would have offered to go and stay the night with him, except that I felt it would have given him offence. In the night, he may get some strange fright or hallucination. And if he does, I want him to pull that rope. All alone as he is, it will give us warning and we may reach him in time to be of service. I shall be sitting up pretty late tonight and shall keep my ears open. What do you mean, Doctor? I mean this, dear lady, that possibly, nay, more, probably, we shall hear the great alarm bell from the judge's house tonight, if I can believe all that Mr. Malcolmson has told me. Oh, she must have left. Dinner all set, I see. Everything ready. Bless the dear lady. I think I'll have a glass of sherry before I eat. And then I will study some more. Oh, this is pleasant. A good sherry and peace. The rats have returned. Ah, yes. There you are, my friend. The biggest rat of them all, I wager, with those baleful eyes, those sharp teeth. Watching. You've frightened the others away, haven't you? It's just you and me, eh? Well, I'm going to have my dinner. You're not going to put me off that. The storm's blowing up, it seems. But it's nice and cosy in here, eh, rat? Yes, I'm talking to you. Perched up there in the shadows, I can see the glint in your wicked eyes. You'd like to share this with me, wouldn't you? Hmm. I wish this Dempster's veal and ham pies for me. All for me. What's that? Oh, it's you, eh? Rat. Hurrying back whence you came. Oh, I must have fallen asleep. The wine and the food. Let me take a look at your hiding place. I'll turn up the lamp. I wonder if Mrs. Dempster's cleaned the picture like I asked her to. We should see it more clearly. I'll have to mount this chair and hold the lamp up higher. And there. My God. A portrait of the judge. His face makes the flesh creep. So merciless, evil and vindictive. And the nose. 
hooked like a bird of prey. And those eyes, they're just like the rat. They pierce right through me. Dear God, I wish I hadn't asked Mrs. Dempster to clean it. Better that the face was covered with the grime of years than be seen by mortals. Oh, damn the chair. Gave way under me. I can't see a thing now. Damn, damn. What's that? Oh, so there you are. On the bell rope. Oh, I must find another lamp. God, I'm shaking. Dear God, I'm actually shaking. Oh, this, this will not do. If I go on like this, I shall become a crazy fool. This must stop. I promised the doctor I would not take tea. He was right. My nerves must have been getting into a state. Funny, I didn't notice it. Oh. Right. I shall not be such a fool again. Oh, I'm tired. I can't see to read anymore. I'm so fatigued. What? You're there again, rat. I see you. What are you doing? My God, you've... You've gnawed through the rope. Stop it! Stop it! You devil, I'll get you. I'll get you, you fiend. Where are my books? Take that! The lightning! What's happening? The picture! He's gone. The judge has gone from the picture. I'm here, Malcolmson. Oh, my God. I am here. About to give sentence. You're not real. You're, you're quiet, for God's sake, be quiet. Malcolmson, look at me. No, you're not real. You're not... The black cap, the rope. What, what are you doing? What, what do you want? Keep away. Keep away. <laughs> Please tell me, Doctor. I want to know. I dare not, madam. It was too horrible. I must know, sir. Please. He... he hanged himself. Hanged himself? From the bell rope. He had stood on the judge's chair, put the noose around his neck, and then apparently kicked the chair away. Oh, my God. Who would have thought it? It was the weight of his own body that gave the alarm as he swung... All right, Doctor, no more, I pray you. And there was something else. What was that? Probably my imagination, of course. But the judge's picture, the huge portrait high up on the wall. I'd never noticed it, but... Do you remember a smile on the judge's face? I don't. But there it was. A smile... A malignant smile.
was The Judge's House by Bram Stoker, with Nigel Havers as Malcolmson and Nancy Nevinson as Mrs Dempster. Jane Thompson was Mrs Witham, and other parts were played by David Timpson and Alexander John. It was a BBC World Service drama production directed by Derek Hoddenot. outside. Tell me. Your tummy's all wet and there are dead leaves tangled in your fur. I suppose autumn's here. Where did you go? Tell me. I bet you went to Barstow Park. That's where you always go. And I bet you took that shortcut through the churchyard where Grandma's buried. Down the slope, stopping at the duck pond and further down still where the swings and slides are. I know, Toby. But we'll go out together again when I'm better. Honestly, when the doctor says it's all right. Until then, I'm afraid I'll just have to imagine it. Cup of tea, Mrs Holloway? No, thank you, Mrs Christie. Well, sit down at least. Oh, thank you. I, uh, I won't keep you long. <sighs> It's a fine day for late October. Yes, but there's a bite to the wind. Uh, how's Marion? Dr Prescott seems to think she's progressing. Oh, good. Any idea when she'll be going back to school? Not for some weeks yet, I'm afraid. Oh, it's over a month now, isn't it? All of that. Glandular fever's a strange complaint, Mrs Holloway. It comes and goes. You never know where you are with it. Friends call in occasionally, bring us some books, and Harold goes up there most evenings, but, well, <laughs> you run out of conversation after a time, don't you? You don't know what to say in the end. She talks to Toby a lot, of course. Ah, uh, yes, uh, Toby. Well, I'm afraid that's the main reason I'm here, Mrs Christie. Oh. The dog's running wild. I know Marion used to take him out as regular as clockwork every morning. I could see her from the vicarage window when I was washing up the breakfast things. What, what, what are you trying to say? The dog's running wild. It's let out, uncontrolled. I haven't time to take the dog out for a walk, Mrs Holloway. Neither has Harold. He has to be on the farm by half past five. And it's all he can do to keep awake when he comes yeah, home. I appreciate I... that. Now, please don't be offended. It, well, it doesn't matter to me. Well, then, what are you complaining about? <laughs> Toby knows that route like the back of my hand. Not quite. I've seen him amongst the gravestones on several mornings now. But he finds a spot and then starts digging. The place is covered with holes. I don't believe it. 
The vicar hasn't said anything. No, because I've been covering up the evidence. And you're sure it's Toby? Positive. Oh, he always has been an inquisitive dog. Oh, something had better be done to curb his curiosity, that's all I can say. Otherwise you and Toby are going to land yourselves in a lot of trouble. Marion! Yes, Mummy? Is Toby up there with you? Yes, why? I'm bringing up a tree. <gasps> Off the bed, Toby. <gasps> Quick, if Mummy sees those muddy marks. I hope that dog's not on the bed. I'll have something to say if he is. Quick! <gasps> There's a good boy. <sighs> Where is he? Under the bed. Best place for him, by all accounts. Why do you say that? Here's your lunch. Soup again. That's what Dr Prescott recommends. He doesn't have to eat it. <laughs> There's some lemon meringue pie with cream as well. Oh, thanks. Oh, listen, Marion, I want to talk to you. What about? This dog of yours, the one that's frightened to show his face at the moment. What's he done? Yesterday, Mrs Weatherby stopped me in the street. Oh, she's always moaning about something. She accused me of stealing flowers from her garden once, and it wasn't true. Well, now she's accusing Toby of digging holes in her garden, and that is true. As a matter of fact, I wasn't going to say anything knowing Mrs Weatherby, until just now when Mrs Holloway called. She says Toby's digging holes in the graveyard. Maybe he's looking for something. No, this isn't funny. That dog's becoming a nuisance. He can't keep his black nose out of anything. You know what Mrs Weatherby's like. If she sees him in her garden once more, she'll get up a petition. And goodness knows where that'll lead to. <gasps> yes, we're talking about you, Toby. You're in big trouble, my lad. Big trouble. It can't be long before I can take him out again, can it, Mummy? Some weeks yet, I'm afraid, dear. Weeks? But I'm feeling a lot better. Well, you do today. And you may tomorrow. Look... Marion, I love Toby as much as you do. But if he won't stop digging, then we'll have to confine him to the garden. Oh, Mummy, you can't do that. Well, we won't have any alternative. But I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know what? Anything. What happens outside? He tells me. Does he, dear? Well, sort of. He tells me what's going on. I imagine I'm with him every morning. I know what the weather's like. If it's wet or dry, cold or warm. He tells me. He goes out and comes back and tells me everything that's happening. Everything. Keep still, Toby. I'm writing. Now, how does this sound? Are you listening? My name is Toby. Will you listen? My name is Toby. Will you visit my mistress who is sick? If so, please follow me. Now, if I fold this piece of paper up and put it into this little tube, you can carry it around on your collar all the time and maybe I'll get to see some new faces. We'll start tomorrow, Toby. No digging. Just make friends with someone in the village and perhaps they'll come and see me. And don't take no for an answer. What do you say? <laughs> That's good. It's all settled then. <laughs>
Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Is this where Toby lives? Yes. I believe you have a little girl here who's not well. Why, yes, I do, but... I, I don't think I know you. Are you her mother? I'm Marion's mother, yes. I'm Mrs Ellis. I know you don't know me, and Marion doesn't either, but I've come in answer to her appeal. Oh. Appeal? Oh, I don't understand. At first I thought the dog was lost. He was so persistent. And then when I looked inside the little tube thing on his collar, I was so moved by the message, I just had to come and see her. I'm sorry, but I just don't know what you're talking about. You mean you don't know? About the message your daughter has written asking for visitors? No, no, I don't. Oh, I'm sorry if you've been troubled. Troubled? Oh, no, not at all. I think both your daughter and Toby have been most resourceful. Well, I hope she wasn't asking for anything. Only for someone to come and visit her. She must be awfully lonely. However, I bought this book with me. Oh, it's just a little something, you understand. I hope you don't mind. Well, now, um, may I see her? Yes, by all means. Please, come in. <coughs> Don't you get on that bed, Toby. She's always letting Toby get mud all over the sheets. I keep on at her. How she... long has Marion been ill? Just over a month. I doubt whether she'll be back at school before Christmas. How awful. It's such a strain for everyone concerned to have someone bedridden for any length of time, especially a child. Keeping their minds occupied is very time-consuming and wearing, isn't it? Well, if you have no objection, perhaps I could see her and take her off your hands for a little while. Well, if you don't mind... Of course it's... I don't mind. Can't let her down now, can I? Not after following Toby all this way. I'm looking forward to meeting her. I'll show you the way. Just point me in the right direction. Let it be a surprise. Mummy! It's all right, dear. You've got company. Would you like a cup of tea, Mrs Ellis? That's very kind of you. Thank you. I'm coming, Toby. I'm coming. It's the room right in front of you. Who is it? Who's come to see me? I have Marion. Hello. How long has this been going on? About a week. And you only tell me about it now? Oh, I didn't think there was any harm in it. Well, I don't suppose there is. Except it looks as if we're asking for charity. Oh, I'm sure people don't... Oh, I think that's somebody else. It never stops. But tell them she's asleep. Oh, I can't do that, Harold. Can't have a load of strangers traipsing through the house like this. Oh, hello, Miss Fairbrother. Marion? Marion, dear? Yes, Mummy? You've got company. Miss Fairbrother, this is the second time she's called this week. I think Marion's rather fond of her. She brings her boxes of marshmallows. If that isn't charity, I'd like to know what is. It's not charity, Harold. It's something that's caught people's imaginations, that's all. And it is helping Marion to get better more quickly. To tell you the truth, I think Miss Fairbrother is just as lonely as Marion. Well, I find it embarrassing. She's made so many new friends. It's old people, not children of her own age. Because children who are ill aren't much fun to be with, Harold. Children aren't so understanding about illness as older people. And how are you today, my lovely? A lot better, thank you, Miss Fairbrother. Oh, that's good to hear. Soon you'll be visiting me, eh? Oh, and you too, Toby. <laughs> You're such a clever dog. Do you know, Marion, 
He sat by the front gate, almost begging me to come. <laughs> I don't think he could find anyone else who was free. Could you, Toby? <laughs> oh, you're such a lucky person, Marion. Am I? Of course. Well, I know you may not believe it, lying here in bed all this time, but, well, think what it would have been like without Toby. Do you know what he is? He's your emissary, Marion. That's what he is, an emissary. Emissary? What's that? Well, it's, uh, well, it's, it's like an agent. A secret agent with an important mission. In this case, to see that enough people come and see you and keep your spirits up. <laughs> oh, look at him. Ah, oh, he understands every word I'm saying. Don't you, Toby? <coughs> Toby's the best dog I've ever had, Miss Fairbrother. He tells me such a lot about what's going on. I even know where he's been. Ooh, that is clever of him. In the spring, he smells of fresh earth and wild flowers. In the summer, he's hot and dry. And often there's pollen on his nose as he <laughs> sniffs about the flowers. In the autumn, like now, dead leaves get all tangled up in his fur and his tummy's wet with dew. In the winter, if I'm still in bed, I expect he'll come in with a cold nose and be shivering all over. Ah, oh, you won't be here this winter, my lovely. Not if I have anything to do with it. You know something, Miss Fairbrother? What's that, my lovely? Out of all the people Toby's brought to see me, I like you the best. Oh, <laughs> oh dear, I'm very flattered. I, uh, I expect it's because I bring you lots of marshmallows, Oh, eh? no, really. <laughs> I'm only teasing. What about the vicar? He'll be very upset to hear you don't think much of him. Oh, I like Mr Williams, but he's not nearly as much fun as you. <laughs> and he doesn't tell me stories about the village like you do. No, Toby. You can't go out in this. You'd catch a terrible cold. I'll have to go without any visitors today. <laughs> What a sad, sad sound that is. I wonder who's died. Imagine, Toby. Imagine being put down in the earth with all that rain falling on you. Makes me shudder to think of it. That you, Mummy? Yes, dear. I've just got back. Did you know Mummy had been out today, Toby? Oh, hello, dear. How are you feeling? All right, thank you. You been out? Uh, for a little while, yes. In this awful weather? You didn't say. Can I sit down for a moment? Oh, I've got something to tell you. You look very serious. What's wrong? Oh, I suppose I should have told you before, but you were having one of your feverish bouts, so I thought it best not to upset you. It's Miss Fairbrother. What about her? She had an accident a few days ago. What kind of an accident? She was crossing the square when a car knocked her down. She... She died on Wednesday. She wasn't in any pain. She was unconscious, you see, all the time. Oh, I'm so sorry. But I like Miss Fairbrother. She was fun. Yes. She laughed a lot and she told me stories about the village. Yes, yes, I know. She used to bring 
me boxes of marshmallows. Toby loved her too, didn't you, Toby? She was our most favourite person. Oh, oh. <laughs> I won't be seeing her anymore. She was our best friend. She liked coming here. Oh, I know, darling. I'm sorry. I didn't want to have to bring you this news. But have they buried her? Well, I've, I've just come from the funeral. I... I sent some flowers from you and me and uh, Toby, of course. <laughs> In all this rain, the earth all muddy and heavy. She'll be lying there, slowly rotting. <laughs> Marion, you mustn't say such things. We all have to die sometime, especially when we're old. But not like that, Mummy. Not like that. What do they do in the graveyard, under the ground? What do you mean? When people are dead and they bury them out in the churchyard, what do they do? Why, uh, nothing. You mean they just lie there? Lie there, yes. Lie there? That's all they do, yes. It doesn't sound like much fun. Well, it's not meant to be. Why don't they get up and walk around once in a while if they get tired of lying there? I think you've said enough. Sometimes I think God is pretty silly. Marion? Well, you think you treat people better than to throw dirt in their faces and tell them to lie still for keeps. You'd think you'd find a better way. What if I told Toby to play dead dog? He does it for a while, but then he gets sick of it and wags his tail or blinks his eyes or pants and jumps off the bed and walks around. I bet those graveyard people do the same, don't you think so, Toby? Oh, no, oh, that'll oh. do, Marion. Now, remember, your grandma's there. It isn't nice. I bet you they do. What's the matter, love? You're depressed again? I think I shall be in this room until I die. Oh, you're being silly. Am I? Look, Marion, I, I know you're missing Miss Fairbrother. I'm missing all the others, too. All the others? No one comes to see me now. Toby comes back every day alone. Not even Mr Williams calls anymore. Well, everyone's so busy with Christmas only a few weeks away. It's as if Miss Fairbrother took everyone with her when she died. Please, Marion. I don't think I can stand it much longer. I'll... I'll get you something to drink. Then we'll have a chat, eh? I really must oil the hinges of this door. <laughs> yes, but you won't. No one wants to know us any more, Toby. For all they care, we may as well be dead. What are we going to do? I can't see what else we can do. I've been to the police. Well, what did they say? Well, the usual. They'll be on the lookout for him, but so far they haven't had any reports of a lost dog. But Toby can't be lost. He knows this area better than you or me. You said so yourself. She loved that dog. You're talking as if he's dead. He's missing, that's all. For two days. The dog's disappeared. 
No one knows where he is. I've been to all the people who used to visit her, asking if they've seen him. Not one of them could help. Suppose something has happened to the dog. Supposing he's been killed by a car like Miss Fairbrother. I mean, can you imagine what that'll do to Marion? They would have found a body. Look, the dog's missing at the moment. Just missing, that's all. Well, you'd better go upstairs and tell her. I can't. I had the job of telling her about Miss Fairbrother. And that was enough for me. Marion? What do you want? I'd like to talk to you. What about? Toby. He's dead. No. No, he isn't. He is. I know he is. He's missing. He's dead, like Miss Fairbrother. Marion, please. Leave me alone. All your friends said they'd look out for him. They all love him, too. They all love him, Marion, as much as you. There was a look on his face before he went. What? The night before he left. There was a gleam in his eye. I asked him if he couldn't find someone, somewhere, to come and see me. But he looked at me as if he didn't care anymore. As if he wasn't really trying. I couldn't understand it. And then he turned away from me and hid his face in his paws. Now, I haven't even got him. There's nothing anymore. No one outside this room, this house. Everything's dead. The world is dead. There's a chocolate drink all prepared in the kitchen, Mrs Tarkins. Oh, and there's a bit of fruitcake too, if she wants it. Don't worry. Everything will be all right. I'll go and have a chat with her before she goes to sleep. She seems a bit brighter of late. I'll cheer her up, Mr Christie. Don't worry. You've been so kind, Mrs Tarkins. It's been a very difficult and worrying time for Harold and me. And you deserve this special night out. So you go and enjoy your anniversary celebration and try and forget about Marion and me until you come home. We'll be fine. Oh, where are you going? Oh, we're going to have dinner at the Falcon. The Falcon, eh? Well, you have a lovely time. Well, you'd better get started, Angela. It's gone half past seven. And don't worry about hurrying back. Oh, we'll be back by eleven. Oh, don't be silly. You'll want to get to bed yourself, Mrs Tarkins. I've only got to go next door, for heaven's sake. Well, once she's really asleep, please don't wait for us. We'll see. Now, you go and enjoy yourselves, for heaven's sake, or you'll be late. I'll take care of everything. Thank you, Mrs Tarkins. Good night, then. Good night, both of you. Eleven o'clock. Better go and see if Marion's still asleep. Oh. I expect they'll be home soon. Oh, yeah, this has got cold. Heavens, I'm tired. All that talking, I suppose. If she's asleep, I'll be off to my own bed. That'll be home any minute now, I expect. Marion? Marion, dear? You asleep? Yeah. She's asleep.
Toby, is that you? Toby, you've come back. Oh, Toby, you're covered in mud. Thick, slimy mud. Oh, you're filthy. It's all over the sheets. Mummy will go mad. I, I feel sick. The smell's making me sick. What is it, Toby? Where have you been to to get in such a horrible mess? You've been digging again, haven't you, you naughty boy? But the smell of the earth is different. And, and what's that clinging to your paws? It looks like a bit of skin, shriveled and white. Where have you been, Toby? What's that? I know. You've brought home a visitor, haven't you? You found someone to come and see me. Oh, you clever, clever dog! Well, Toby, who is it? Is it someone special? Never mind. It doesn't matter. The important thing is, we've got company again.